Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Amen. Philippians chapter number 3. Go ahead and turn there with me if you would. I'm glad I'm saved this morning. Amen. Let me just say thank you to each one who's come out this morning. Uh, Our church members and family as well as any who might be visiting or tuning in on the live stream. Uh, It is important that we take time to recognize how good God has been to us. Amen. Here's what I find. Sometimes... Sometimes it is easier because of who we are and because we're, you know, we're human beings. Sometimes it's easier to get excited about the little things uh, or big things that God has done in our personal lives, right? God has been very good to us personally. Amen. I mean, he's given me my family, our, my children. He's, uh, he's put me in the ministry, and the Lord has been very, very kind to me. Amen. And I think we'd all say Amen. Uh, sometimes it's easier to get excited about those things than even it is the huge things he's done. Brother Tim said it this morning, uh, and I'll uh, echo his sentiment, this is certainly the greatest event in all of human history. The moment that Jesus rose from the dead. That's what we're going to look at this morning. It is, it is Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday, it's the day where we set aside uh, to to recognize and remember, right? To focus in on this bright Sunday morning, which, by the way, is the Lord's Day. Uh, that This day, which we take a moment and stop. We stop working. Do your best to stop worrying about whatever's going on and, and, and just to stop whatever it is that, that is striving to drive away or to draw away our attention and to focus on one thing. And that one thing is an empty cross and an empty tomb. To focus on a hill far away where there stood an old rugged cross where Jesus hung and died for our sins. But unlike a lot of the effigies we see today where he is still there, unlike a lot of pendants and a lot of uh, images that are made of Christ where he is still on that cross, I'm here to tell you this morning he's not there. If you could go to Calvary, if you could go over the ocean, over to Israel, and find the very same spot where the the hole was dug and the cross thudded down as he was raised up on it. If there was a cross there, and I know there's not, but if there was, it would be empty. He's not there. He is not there because he resurrected. Amen. They took him down, they put him in a grave, and they rolled a stone, and they set a watch, but there was nothing they could do to keep him down. Amen. Because he is too big. He's too powerful. He's too much love. He's too much power. He's too much grace and too much truth. And when he said, I will tear down this temple and I'll, this tabernacle, I'll build it again in three days, he meant it. And that's exactly what he did. So we're here this morning to take a moment and just to, 
just to recognize just how wonderful, amen, because it's wonderful, but also just how, how incredible it is that a man could lay down his life and then take it up again. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church of Philippi, and he's talking about the Lord Jesus there in chapter 2. He talks a lot about the Lord, and I mean, all the time he's talking about the Lord. You'll, you'll notice one thing about Paul. He talks a lot about the Lord, and he thought a lot about the Lord. And he made this statement. He, he just got done talking, and we won't read it for the second time, but in the first couple of verses about how if anybody had any reason to have confidence in their flesh, he did, because he was a, a Jew of the Jews, right? He was a Pharisee. He was, he was a, a, a circumcised the eighth day of Israel. I mean, he went through all the steps. He was, a, he was the, expected to be the next high priest of Israel, right? And he said, if anybody could have confidence in the flesh, it was me. But in verse number 7 of Philippians chapter 3, he says this, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Let me pause right there. Here's what Paul said. I would gladly lose anything in exchange for him. There's nothing worth exchanging my relationship with Christ for. There's nothing in life that is worth missing out on him for. Amen. In fact, he said, I count all those things. I used to, he said, I used to have a great value in these things, right? He said, they were gained to me. I used to think, you know, fame was big. I used to think being a part of the Pharisees was big. I used to think this was big and that was important. He said, but now those things are lost and the only gain there is, is Christ. He said, in fact, in the light of how important and how wonderful and how excellent Jesus and the knowledge of Him is in His light, everything else might as well be dung. That's what he said. Those are strong words. He said that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him. Amen. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. This morning I want to preach if God will help me on the power of His resurrection. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, Lord, we thank You, Lord, for this day You've given us. Thank You, Lord, for the cross, God. Thank You, Lord, for dying for our sins, God. As the song says, His life for mine, how could it ever be? God, that You would die to save a wretch like me this morning. God, I'm an unworthy wretch. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve salvation, Lord. I don't deserve to worship You in spirit and in truth. And God, I certainly don't deserve to stand here this morning, Lord, as Your emissary for the Word of God. But I pray if You would, help me, Lord, in my body, Lord, to preach. Help me, Lord, in my mind to stay clear. And fill me up, God, this morning with your spirit. Lord, I pray if there is one today, as we looked in Sunday school, who might be walking in the way and the pathways of unrighteousness, God, that today would be the day that they'd be saved. God, if there is one here this morning, Lord, who does not know you, Father, I pray, please save them today before it's ever too late. God, be in the service. Help me as I preach. May the gospel go out clear and true. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Mark 16, 6 said, 
as they came there to the tomb to seek his body, to anoint it and things like that, they said they saw one sitting there in white raiment, and he said, Be not affrighted, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. He's not there. It's an empty cross. And then three days later, it was an empty tomb. And what a wondrous day that was throughout all of time and history. I would say there has probably never been a worse moment than what seemed such a defeat on the cross. Where the hopes of all those who loved him stood by his own mother and the disciple whom Jesus loved and watched him as he drew his last breath and said, It is finished into thy hands. I commend my spirit. And then he gave up the ghost. And there he was, the one who they put all their hopes in, who they thought was going to be the king, who had set up his kingdom, the Son of God, the Christ, the anointed one, and he was dead. In spite of the fact that he had said some things about tearing down the tabernacle and about dying and all those things, they just, they just didn't hear it. They couldn't hear it. And now here he was, and he was dead, and they could not believe it. And what a moment of defeat in the heart of those disciples who started hiding for their lives who are fleeing and looking and saying, what are we going to do next? What a moment of defeat. But then, never has there been such a moment of victory as when they came to the tomb and saw that He was not there. And He appeared unto them in a glorified body. Amen. When He spoke to them by name and when He walked and talked with them and He resurrected, never has there been a greater moment of victory than that. That such a turning of the tide, such a flipping of the tables, if you would, and that all the world looked on and said, well, look, see, if he, had, he said he had power to save others, but himself he cannot save, they said, mocking. Well, they didn't know was no man took his life. He said, I give it freely. And he gave it, and then he died. And when he died, we know that on the third day, he resurrected. Amen. And we hear that, and we, we recognize that to be true. Will you say Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, I'd like you to turn there with me if you've got your Bible with you this morning. To 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to look at some verses here. <coughs> we know that Jesus Christ resurrected. But do we really know what that means? We know that He was God. We know that He was man. We know that He was the Son of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul is dealing with a group of Jews who have come into the church in different places, such as the Sadducees, who rejected outright the idea of any resurrection. They simply did not believe there would ever be a resurrection. And Jesus, however, firmly disagreed with that. He disagreed with it so much that not only did He resurrect other people during His ministry, but He resurrected Himself. So that's a pretty device, you know, definitive answer. Well, there is a resurrection you know, he even said, I am the resurrection, right? So we know that Jesus believed in the resurrection, but here's Paul, he's coming to them. He's coming to these Christians who put their faith in the Lord Jesus, and they have begun to doubt whether there would ever be a resurrection. And he's going to have to deal with that statement and that thought. And to do that, he tries to get through to them some very important facts and important things. And uh, in verse number 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see this verse uh, right here, a very powerful and important verse. And we're going to read a few of these verses later as well. But in verse number 20, it says this, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now, that word first fruits right there is an important word to Israel. 
It is a very important word to the point that God expected to receive of them in sacrifice their first fruits. And when you consider what a first fruit is, it is that opening, uh, that opening of the harvest. It is the first thing that is produced in a harvest or in a work. It is the, the first dibs, if you would, right? The very best, the, the top and the choice. That's why when they would bring a sacrifice, they were meant to bring a, a lamb without spot or blemish. It is the first and the best. God gets his first and he gets the best that there is, Right? That's the idea of the first fruits, and it's throughout the Old Testament you'll find that to be there. But here Paul, he begins to speak about the Lord, and he says that he is the first fruits of them that slept. Now he's talking about resurrection. He says Christ is risen from the dead, and he become the first fruits of them that slept. What does that mean when we say this? You might often hear people say, preachers and everyone will say, that Christ is the first fruit of the resurrection. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you two things I believe that it means and two things that are, that are meant to be stated in that idea of being the first fruits. One is that He is the first one. Jesus Christ is the first one to ever be resurrected who would never die again. When Jesus lived on this earth, He wandered around during His ministry seeking those who were in need of a shepherd, those who were sick in need of a physician. And during that time, He called a few forth from the dead. He came upon that widow where her son had died and the boy arose, right? He came upon Mary and Martha where Lazarus had died. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the boy arose, right? He, he, he lived again. And so we saw resurrections there. There are other resurrections in the Old Testament. Uh, the Shunammite woman, her child, was resurrected, right? You can read about that. You can read about different ones at times in the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. But Jesus is the first one who was ever resurrected, who after he resurrected will never, ever die again. That widow's son who was resurrected at his funeral would one day again die. Lazarus who was called forth would one day again die. That's the way, it, that's just the way that it is, right? But Jesus is the first fruits because the resurrection that comes through Jesus is not like those other resurrections. It is an eternal resurrection. It's a resurrection that once it does happen, there will be no more death. Ever. And Jesus is, is the first fruits of that. He's the picture of that. When it says we will be like Him, we think about how it means we'll have that glorified body and we'll, you know, we'll have no more of those back pains, right? Stuff like that. No more vocal cords battling you on Easter Sunday when you got to preach. Amen? No more of that junk. No more of the sores and the sorrows and the, the difficulties and all that will be gone. But I'll tell you what else it means. It means death is no more. There'll never be another parting from the time that we are resurrected and we become like Him. He's the first one. Not only does that first fruit reply, uh, uh, refer to the fact that He is the first one who would ever be resurrected and never die again, but also Him being the first fruit, the first fruit of the harvest that was with the crop, it was a part of it. It was the connecting of it. It was the beginning of something. And if Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection, what it means is this that everything that would be resurrected after him, that would be a part with him, has become like him and is now a part of what Jesus is. So like I said, we're not only like him, but we are now a part with him. That what he is and how he is glorified and how he is eternal, one day we will be resurrected. And when we are, we will be like him. Amen. That we will become a part of that same harvest like he is there. And you can read about that down in the next couple of verses, how 
in verse 21, Since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. So we understand this, that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection, and therefore we come to the crux of really all things. Right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we are given essentially an entire dissertation on why the resurrection is not only an important doctrine, but it's quite possibly the most important doctrine of the gospel. Amen. Back up with me down to verse number 12 in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's read some verses here. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen... Then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Now you might say, how can some of these say that they believe and say that Christ is not risen from the dead? Well, there were those who believed that Christ did not have a truly physical body and therefore never truly physical died. But the problem is, if he's not risen, then there's a real issue. What's the issue? Let's read on. If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, if we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. What an awful thought. That they're going around preaching and teaching, And by the way, also performing miracles. Healing the sick. Amen? I mean, Paul got bit by that snake there. Didn't hurt him. Why? Because of the miracles of God. Doing miraculous things. Seeing things and and speaking for God and and doing a wonderful work. And here's what he said. Everything we're saying is vain. What does that mean, vain? It means pointless. Fruitless. Worthless. Right? Right? Vain means there's no reason for it. It's a waste of time. We might as well go home. It's all in vain. If what? If Christ is not risen from the dead. He said this, If there's no resurrection, everything we're saying is pointless. Now there are many things that constitute our faith. The Word of God, I would say amen, is the, is the foundation of our faith. God's, we believe in God's creation of the world. We believe in salvation through Jesus Christ. We believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the promise of His return. But I submit to you this morning that this very key portion of our faith, everything for which we live, everything we believe, every act of kindness or righteousness or goodness in this world is in itself pointless if Jesus did not raise from the dead. That's it. That's the key. Brooke, I asked Brooke right before church. She loves it when I do that to her. To sing that song. And that first verse says, I walked by the tomb of Buddha, looked inside and saw his bones. It speaks about Muhammad, right? And all those things. So what is the difference between Jesus and Muhammad? Jesus and Buddha or Jesus and any uh, any other false god that people might worship. The difference is, They're dead. 
Buddha was a real man who lived. The man who began Buddhism on which it's all based, he lived. Historically, he was a person. The same is true for Muhammad, a, a real person who lived historically, right? And in pretty much every religion, you can go and you can find the historical basis as to why those things exist. And the same is also true for the Lord Jesus Christ. Historically, it is undeniable that he lived. But the crux is this. They all died. So did Jesus. But he rose again. It's the crux of everything we believe. There's no point in going to church. Are you all listening to me? There's no point in going to church if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because all our preaching is in vain. That's what Paul said. Everything we're doing, pointless. We are, he basically said, we're liars. We're liars. He said, we are found false witnesses of God if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. He said, everything we teach, everything we preach is all built and on this one thing. But he didn't just say that. But he said this, if there be no resurrection of the dead, verse 13, then is Christ not risen. Verse 16, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Now when he speaks of the dead, in verse 13 and, 14, and 16, excuse me, he's not talking about the Lord Jesus. He's talking about the rest of us. Because there were some who would say, well, we'll concede that, may, that Jesus must have resurrected but there's not going to be any other resurrection. And Paul said, well, that doesn't work. You can't have it that way, right? And the reason you can't have it that way, by the way, is because Jesus taught otherwise. He said, you can't have it that way. Here's the truth. He said, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then there's no resurrection of Jesus. Well, that's a pretty strong statement to make, isn't it? And under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he wrote it down, and he's saying this. If there is no resurrection of the dead, and Christ isn't raised If Christ is risen, our preaching and faith is vain and pointless. If our preaching is vain, we are liars. We are false witnesses of God. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, if Christ isn't risen, if our faith is in vain, then we are yet in our sins. Now let me point something out to you. Because here's what the world would say. Well, I agree with Paul. I don't have to believe that Jesus raised from the dead... And if I don't believe Jesus was raised from the dead, well, I just don't believe that, and I I live my own life, I do my own thing. Amen. Here's the problem. Whether you believe it or not, your sin doesn't go away. Your sin is a matter that has to be dealt with whether you choose to believe or choose not to believe. Here's the difference. If you choose not to believe, you are yet in your sins. Not only that, but if Jesus is not resurrected, we're all yet in our sins. And that's why Paul said it's vain, it's pointless, it's worthless. Everything we're doing is a waste of time if Jesus is not raised from the dead. You know what that tells me? It's the most important thing. It's the most important part. Now, you could argue that it's all the most important part of the gospel. And I would say amen. Everything done perfectly, decently, in order the way God designed it. But no matter what Jesus did on the cross, no matter what he taught there in Capernaum and in Galilee and all those places and all the miracles he did, if he then walked to Calvary, died, and stayed dead, it was all for nothing. Now, lucky for us, that's not what happened. Lucky for us, God is bigger than that. Lucky for us, God's plan was not just for Jesus to die, to go to the cross, endure the cross, despising the shame, but then after he had died and laid down his life, he said, I'll take it up again. 
And that is exactly what he did. Amidst many other doctrinal truths in the Bible, Paul declares this simple and powerful fact. The power of his resurrection is the linchpin of our faith. Verse number 1 in our same passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me hurry through this. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. I say, Amen. And that He was buried, I say, Amen. And that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Very simply, we have right here in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, the concise and complete account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You cannot have one part without all three. Amen. Jesus lived the perfect sinless life so that He might die for our sins. And what a powerful truth that is, that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures. What a powerful truth that is. Amen. But then we see the how that not only did He die for our sins according to the Scriptures, but then He was buried. Matthew chapter 27 verse 59 says, When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Can you imagine how mournful and hard those three days had to have been? <clears throat> Here's the man on whom they've hung all their hopes and dreams of an eternal glory. And he is dead behind a great stone in a dark tomb. Amen. Talk about some dark and low times. What a horrible and dark place that must have been where they had heard all the things he taught them and saw all the things he had done and had such great expectations and then he died. Not only did he die, but he died a horrible death. And there he was. They could no longer see him, no longer speak to him. I think they believed they'd never be separated from him. And now, for a time, they were. What a horrible time that must have been. But our faith does not end with his death. Our faith does not end with his miraculous birth. Our faith does not end with his merciless death or with his mournful burial. Our faith does not end at all, in fact. There is no ending, really, to our faith. Jesus is the beginning and the ending, right? He's the Alpha and the Omega, right? But the truth is, our faith is eternal. Jesus said this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. You know what he said? <clears throat> I did the whole death thing, and I'll never do it again. That's what he said. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. So our faith does not end, but it continues with his marvelous resurrection that he arose from the grave to live evermore. Did the Lord Jesus die? Yes. Was he buried? Yes. But not only did he die and was buried, but here's the fact that we should never forget, that should never stop to amaze us, and that is that death 
could not hold him. Death tried to hold on and could not do it because he took the keys of death, he took the keys of hell, and now he lives and he's going to keep on living. He lives. Not only does he live, but he is the first fruits of the resurrection, which means this, there are second fruits. Amen. He's the first fruits. There are second fruits and third fruits. There's more to come. That word first means it's going to be followed by something else, right? Guess what that means? Not only did he resurrect who was alive and died and resurrected and now lives forevermore, but eventually we also who are now alive will die. And if we believe, we will resurrect and we will live forevermore. Amen. That we will become a part of that same resurrection with him. 1 Corinthians 15, 13, If there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. So if Christ is indeed resurrected, then we understand there is a resurrection of the dead. There is. John chapter 11, turn there quickly. We're, we're hurrying, we're, we're getting close here. John chapter 11, I want you to turn there with me. I want, to, I want you to see it with me in John chapter 11, how that the Lord has come here at a, a very difficult time for some people that He cared a whole lot about. John chapter 11, verse number 17 said, Then when Jesus came, He found that He had lain in the grave four days already. Speaking of Lazarus, that young man who was His friend. <clears throat> verse number 17, verse number 18. Now Bethany <clears throat> was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. <clears throat> then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Verse 23 Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now the Lord has come to Bethany <coughs> to, to visit with Mary and Martha in their mourning because their brother Lazarus was dead and they believed. Martha specifically told him, Lord, if you had just been here, he never would have died in the first place. That's what she said, right? So she obviously had a lot of faith in the Lord knowing that He was one of such power and one of such uh, a draw and power with God that if He had come before Lazarus had died, He could have healed him. She believed that. Amen. She's missing the big picture. She's missing the big picture. If she wasn't, she said, Lord, hurry. There's a tomb. Let's go. Hurry. I mean, come. Let's resurrect my brother. But she didn't. She didn't quite understand just who he was. She just didn't quite understand just how much power and just how much influence and just how much of the, the energy of creation literally was in the palm of his hand, in the word of his mouth specifically. She believed that if the Lord had come earlier, Lazarus would not have died in the first place. The Lord could have healed him could have prevented him from dying, yes. But what she did not know, what the Lord needs all of us to understand, what the Lord is trying to tell us all, and the reason 
But this is written down in John chapter 11. Yes, it was for Mary and for Martha. But it's also for you and for me. And that's what the Lord said next. The Lord said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. He did not say, I have the power of resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. What does that mean? Without Him, there is no resurrection. Without Him, there is no life. When Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that if the Lord hadn't risen, that we're still in our sins, here's what he meant. We're still dead in our sins. We've looked there in the book of Ephesians how the Lord quickens us through salvation. That means He brings us to life. That our spirit within us is dead until the moment that the Lord Jesus saves us and the Holy Ghost moves in and we are quickened with Christ. Right? Just as the Lord Jesus said, I am the resurrection, I am the life, this is exactly what He meant. Read on. He that believeth in Me, though He were dead, yet shall He live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall, what's that next say? Never die. He, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He's not just a healer. He's not just a great man. He's not just the Christ. He's the resurrection and he's the life. Their loved one who had died, who had four days now been dead in that grave, He was over there, and here's what Jesus wanted them to know, that in spite of the fact that their loved one had seemingly died, that no one who put their faith and trust in Him would ever truly die. You've heard it said that you either, uh, (coughs) excuse me, you're either born twice and die once, or you're born once and die twice. That's because the truth is, yes, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. That means there is a moment in every human life where this body is laid down. But in our passage in 1 Corinthians, here's what Paul said about the Lord Jesus. He's the first fruits of them that sleep, those who've slept. In 1 Thessalonians, he calls it the same thing, those who are asleep. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. He goes on to speak about that moment of the rapture. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise First, and then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What does that mean? Very simply this. He said, wherefore comfort one another with these words. The words that if you believe in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-5, you believe in that death, that burial, that resurrection, and as Romans tells us, you put your faith and trust in that then, Jesus said, You'll never die because your soul becomes eternally alive. Amen. That even if we live until we grow old and we lay our bodies down, or if we lay our bodies down when we are young or old or whatever the age may be, if if we do so having believed, 
having put our faith, and by grace through faith been saved with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, there is no ending for us. There's no ending. There is only a continuing. For so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the same exhortation which the Lord gave to Thessalonica because they were distraught at the loss and mourning of some who were even being martyred for their faith at that time. And he said this, they're just sleeping. Their bodies have laid down, but one day God will call their bodies up again. They'll meet the Lord in the air, and then we'll meet them in the air, and then so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is the resurrection of the dead. That's what it is. Comfort one another. Is it appointed that a man wants to die? Yes, it is. And after this, the judgment. One day, we may lay down this mortal coil. If that was everything, if that was the end, here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Now, I'm not sure that applies to me and you the same way it did for Paul and those he was talking to. Because they were putting their own lives on the line for Christ. They were saying this, I'll die for Jesus. And then doing it. Right? So when he said, if we only have hope of Christ in this life, and we're of all men most miserable, he's saying, I'm putting my life, I mean, he's in prison, right? So I'm putting my life on the line for him, and if this is all I got, well, that's a pretty miserable way to live it, right? But he's also saying this, we're still in our sins. Everything we're doing is for nothing. If it's just this life, but it's not. It's not. It's not. There is another side of things. There is another land across that veil where we lay down this mortal body and we look toward God and we have to put our lives, our soul, our spirit, our body in the hands of God because Jesus died, He was buried, and He arose the third day. And so I'll tell you this, when it comes to not only the life I'm living now, but when it comes to the moment of me laying my body down, there is only one person that I can trust that with. And you know who it is? It's somebody who did that and came out better on the other side. It's somebody who went through the whole death part and now lives and lives forevermore. He's the one that I'm not just going to trust this mortal life with, but I'm going to trust my death with and I'm going to trust my resurrection with. I'm going to trust it with one who's already done it before. He's the first fruits. He did it before me. He paved the path so that you and me could follow the same path. Our passage there, our, the first thing we read there in Philippians chapter number 3, how the, Paul spoke about how that all those things used to be gained to him, but now they're lost, that he might have that excellency, the knowledge of Christ. He said that I may know him and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So as we bring this thought to a close, here is what I want you to understand this morning. Jesus died. 
He was buried. And then he rose again. I believe this. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. We don't walk by sight. We, we don't live by sight. We live by faith, right? So I believe that. I believe it. That's faith. Faith, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, Christ has proven himself to me personally in my life. He's done that by the Holy Spirit coming and drawing to me, revealing to me that I'm a sinner, right? Leading me to an altar where I got saved. He's done that by, by, by appearing to me in my life, not physically like a shining image, but over and over again, guiding and directing me, speaking to me through his word, which is alive, speaking to me in prayer, being the God of all comfort, giving me that peace that passed understanding, the joy unspeakable, full of glory. I've seen, I've experienced, I've felt the witness of God in my life. I have experienced those things, but I, I did not see Jesus rise from the dead. I will tell you this, historical record is there plenty enough to prove that it happened. You can go read the rest of that passage there at the beginning of chapter 15, how that he appeared unto so many others, and then eventually even unto Paul, an apostle out of due time, right? We understand those things. But the fact of the matter is, I have not seen it, but I believe it. And that is key. That is so important this morning. That is, in fact, the most important part of it is that you believe it for you personally. Now, for the greater world, the most important part is that it happened. And it did. Amen. But the most important part for you is that you believe it. That's what it's about for you. Well, I do believe it. Okay. Do you? Jesus came to Martha and she said, Lord, if you hadn't been here, you could have miraculously healed him. Lord, if, if you'd have been here, he never would have died. Lord, and the Lord said, well, he's going to rise again. And she said, oh, I know that in the last day, there will be a resurrection and he'll be resurrected. She believed a lot of things, but she did not believe that Jesus had the power of resurrection. If she did, then why would she not have said, will you raise him now, Lord, please? But she didn't. She believed a lot of things. Listen now. She believed a whole lot of things about the Lord, but she didn't quite believe that. Here's the issue. All the places we've gone this morning, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So how do we receive the faith of Christ? How do we receive the righteousness? By faith, by believing. That's it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. When? How? When? If we believe. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You want to experience eternal life? You want to experience the resurrection? You want to experience the reunion with those who have died and gone on before us? And the longer we live, the more that, will, that number will grow. You want to experience that? You've got to believe. You've got to. Romans 10.8 what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, believe what? The resurrection. Are y'all hearing it? What do you got to believe? Jesus is risen. The power of resurrection is the power of the gospel, is the power of salvation. There is no salvation without faith in the resurrection. Well, I just don't know if he really did. Well, then you're not a part of the promise. The part of the promise is, you want to live forever? Believe in me that I. Believe in me. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Believe it. You want the power of salvation? Confess with thy mouth. Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with a man heart, with a heart man believeth in the righteous, with a mouth confession is made in salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. John chapter 11, verse number 25 and verse number 26 said this. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever believeth, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then the Lord asked this question. Put it up there, Miss Jana. Believest thou this? He looked at that woman and he said, He's going to rise again. And she said, Lord, if you hadn't been here, he never would have died. Lord, I know you can heal him. I know you could have healed him, but now he's, he's dead. He said, well, he's going to rise again. I know that in the last days, he'll rise again. And then Jesus looked at her, and, and I think he, he was a lot like he did when we looked at the disciples and said, I've been with you this long, yet you have not known me. He said, if, if, if one will believe in me, he'll never die. Right? Because I'm the resurrection. I don't have the power of healing. I am the resurrection. I am the life. The reason I heal is because I'm life. The reason I resurrect is because I'm the resurrection. There's no death in him. Death couldn't hold on to him. He took on death for three days and held on just a little bit. And when he was ready, he kicked death to the side and marched all the way out to heaven. That's just who he is. It's not just something he could do. It's who he is. And he said this, if you'll believe in me, then you will have what I have. Believest thou this? It's the question, isn't it? The resurrection of the dead, it's real. The, res the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's real. It's who he is. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you do, I have, I have good news. You shall never die. But if you don't, this morning in Sunday school, we looked at that verse in Proverbs chapter 12. It said, the path or the way of righteousness life and the pathway thereof, there is no death. But can I tell you that on the pathway where you choose not to believe, you choose not to obey Romans 10, 9, 10, 11. You choose not to confess with the mouth and with the believe with the heart. You choose not. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You choose not to. I'm just, I just don't believe it. Your path will end in death. And then one day, you know what's crazy? Your body will also be resurrected. That's the resurrection Martha was talking about in the last days when the Bible says that hell, death, the sea, cast out their dead, and all will stand before a great white throne. 
and God will judge all whose names are written in the book. What book? The book of life. Who's got life? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. So you believe, you have life. But if you do not believe, you have death. You're dead already. There's just a clock ticking on your life. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about making some profession. I'm not talking about joining the church. I'm not talking about some go to the altar, cry a few tears and feel good. I'm talking about you putting your faith in the finished work of Calvary and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you believed and confessed. If you've never done that, then you're in your sins still. Amen. Believest thou this? Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.